Chapter Twenty One of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One Principles is Inconvenient Things. I'll own that. And what will you have, Maria? Mr. Smith was saying, as Laura and I having stated our preference, he waited for his sister in law. But Maria was engaged in an earnest, and to judge by her eyes, startled perusal of the bill of fare jonas look there she said at last laying the paper before him and pointing with her finger to the headlines which indicated that choice wines in every variety would be served to order yes he said in low tone of course they all do that what shall i order for you jonas you don't mean that they don't all have them in this great city there must surely be one temperance place where a body can eat and sleep without straining his conscience the tone was low almost pleading still i think the nearest waiter caught it and there was an amused smile on his face while he waited probably jonas saw this he answered hurriedly there is no time to discuss such matters now maria don't you see we are already the subject of remark let me send your order it is growing late i am to meet my committee at eight o'clock then i must just go hungry that's all she spoke in a positive voice yet one couldn't call it obstinate there was too mournful a tone in it as if she were fully conscious of all the perplexities and annoyances that the question at issue set in motion and would fain have shrunk from it if she could i'm dreadful sorry jonas if i'd dreamed of such a thing i wouldn't have come this way i don't like to put folks in unpleasant places and make talk and all that not a bit but as for eating my supper or sleeping under a roof where they sell rum or giving a cent of my money toward helping it along i can't do it by this time the waiter was smiling broadly behind the napkin with which he vainly tried to hide his mouth mr jonas smith was growing visibly annoyed don't be absurd he said in a quick irritable undertone we must have supper at once tea and toast waiter in addition to my other orders and be quick about it not for me jonas there was quietness in mrs smith's voice but there was also firmness not a mouthful for me at this table you don't understand i can't do anything of that kind it simply ain't right none of solomon's money must go toward helping the curse along in any way shape or manner we promised that to the lord long ago and a promise to him ain't to be broken for convenience you know i can go hungry but i can't eat the bread of sin what ridiculous nonsense mr smith was unaffectedly angry now just as if eating your supper at this table either helped or hindered the cause i'll tell you what maria fanaticism does more to hinder than any other single thing maybe so said mrs smith quietly jonas what would you give to see harris just such a fanatic as i be the father's face paled instantly yet what were we to do here we sat waiting for our ordered dinner and one of our party refusing to touch it he turned toward us an appealing look and i essayed to help 
i should certainly much prefer a temperance house can we not go quietly to one and leave the supper we have ordered uneaten and unpaid for there was something very like a sneer in his voice yet he was so tired that i could excuse it mrs smith saved me the trouble of answering no we wouldn't leave it unpaid for we've made em trouble in ignorance and we'll pay em for it that's principle but they'll know just why we can't eat our suppers here that's principle too mr smith looked as though if it were he hated principle and would have nothing to do with it but after another moment or two of hesitation he rose abruptly made his way to the cashier's desk held a hurried conversation with him during which time certain bills exchanged hands then he came back to us and it was with haste and gloom that we retreated from the elegant hotel a somewhat silent party rode through the streets of the city in search of a temperance house mr jonas smith did not condescend to sit inside but slammed the door on us as if we were all equally in disgrace and took a seat with the driver the ride was not a long one but the change both in location and appearance was marked when we again alighted before a hotel perhaps you are accustomed to being a martyr to your temperance principles and know all about the stuffy hall and small not over clean not well kept rooms all smelling more or less of food that had been cooked some time into which we were presently ushered i hope you like it mr smith said to his sister-in-law with meek voice and savage eyes he was speaking of the room to which the slovenly and somewhat surly waiter had brought us the main one by no means immense in size and the one opening from it not larger than the clothes presses of his own house the furniture was plain even to shabbiness the carpet that large figured abomination in red and green altogether though the bedding was clean and the necessaries to comfort were there the air of cheapness which pervaded everything evidently tried mr smith's aesthetic taste to the utmost it will do mrs solomon said decisively in answer to his insinuation it ain't so grand by considerable as the one we left i suppose these folks can't afford to be grand they don't get any help from rum and i don't suppose they have any too much custom either folks don't go out of their way maybe to find a temperance house it is a good deal easier to go to the glittering places and ask no questions for conscience sake principles is inconvenient things i'll own that solomon and i have been bothered with ours a great many times well said mr smith every one to his own taste i'm glad you like it they say there will be some sort of a supper served for you soon as for me i must go without supper to-night and hurry right back to my appointment it was his parting thrust and we were alone but auntie said laura as she poured water from the broken-nosed pitcher and exclaimed over its smallness and yellowness and brokenness is there any principle involved in having things look like this temperance people need not necessarily be stuffy and dusty and shabby if they want custom why don't they keep such a house as people will patronize 
sometimes there's a good deal of principle in that very thing child a man has got to have the money to make a house elegant in the first place and keep it so afterwards and often he's got to earn the money before he can have it and if his principles won't let him earn it by selling rum which i have heard is altogether the quickest and easiest way and if you and i ain't got principles enough to stand his broken-nosed pitchers and cracked looking-glasses so as to help him earn money for better things why he won't be likely to get on very fast i like nice things child but i like clean consciences better i'm sorry for jonas his principles ain't skin deep anyhow and his conscience is tough and his stomach is tender and he'll likely have a hard time of it here i'm sorry for all of us for having made an uncomfortable time all round it is the most uncomfortable time i ever remember to have had in my life and i'd have given my best alderney cow to get out of it but i was in and i didn't know no way out as true as you live i didn't i'm an old goose maybe an opinionated old foolish thing but i couldn't no more set there and drink that tea out of a china cup and stir it with a silver spoon and think of that boy of jonas's lying dead drunk in his father's parlor only last night and me a sitting one side of him and his father the other a groaning out in agony every few minutes and me helping to pay for the rum that went to make him so then i could fly up through that chimney hole this minute i couldn't do it she looked worn and haggard with the weight of her trouble and with the trouble which she had made for others which last at all times harder for mrs smith than anything that she had to bear for herself i could feel that as she turned away from laura's unanswering eyes and sighed heavily she was thinking what a blessed haven of rest that little house in the hollow would be to her with solomon at the hearthside i did not know what to think of laura for the first time since we left home she seemed to have deserted her old friend her eyes flashed their vexation and she shut her lips tightly as though she had just enough self-control left to resolve to keep silence one might have supposed that her whole heart was set in favor of the liquor traffic instead of having been all her life an earnest temperance worker i felt very much puzzled i could not think that the luxuries of life had suddenly grown so important to her that she could not dispense with them for one night for like most sensible girls raised in comfortable and harmonizing surroundings she had not given them such a high place that she could not cheerfully and even gleefully share the annoyances and discomforts of travel or of anything that disturbed the usual routine altogether the rest of our journey was not pleasant the breakfast did well enough the steak was somewhat tough to be sure and the coffee slightly muddy but if everything had not been made so uncomfortable by mr smith's sarcasms and laura's silence we should have gotten along nicely as it was i was glad certainly to bid the gentleman good-bye and mrs smith curled herself into a seat in the car with a long-drawn sigh of relief after his somewhat stiff good-bye to her fancy a man saying good-bye stiffly to a woman who had been what she had in his household for weary days and nights week after week 
simply because by her conscientious scruples she disturbed the luxury of one night's rest. I felt angry with him, and provoked with Laura, and left her much to herself. As our train rolled into the familiar depot, and Mrs. Smith, peering from the window, caught a glimpse of the high, old-fashioned wagon, plentifully besprinkled with mud, and of Solomon, in his much too long grey coat, standing beside it, watching eagerly the moving car windows, I shall never forget the radiant face that turned to me, nor the triumphant voice that said, There he is, the best sight that my old eyes have seen in a year. It seems most a year, don't it? I declare for it, I hope it won't be made my duty to trot around this world any more without Solomon. I don't like it. I laughed, but Laura was persistently cold and silent. The child had never tried me so much in all her life put together, as she had during this journey. I think I showed a little of this feeling as we talked over, with her father and Mary, the episode of the hotel. For Laura, without being directly censured, arose to the defensive. I don't care, Mamma. I still think it was very silly and selfish in Mrs. Solomon, and I shall always think so. The idea that her money was helping along the sale of liquor just because she was stopping at a hotel and paying for just what she consumed and nothing more. What did she do with the liquor? She might as well refuse to stop in the world any longer, because there are rum-selling and Sabbath-breaking, and I don't know what not. So long as she doesn't do it, and can't keep others from doing it, what is it to her? Now Laura was not usually so illogical as that. In fact, her father had often playfully told her that he ought to educate her for the bar. She would make her mark as a lawyer and I was more surprised than I can tell you. Her reasoning seemed too absurd even to require an answer, so absurd, indeed, that Mary laughed, as she said pleasantly, "'Why, Laura, you are on exactly the opposite side from what I would have expected, and besides have certainly forgotten how to argue. Of course, it really is countenancing the sale of liquor in hotels to patronize them.' in fact it apparently accepts the popular argument that first-class hotels cannot be kept without the sale of liquor and so we submit to having liquor pay half of our first-classness doesn't it papa looks like it said her father sipping his coffee and evidently enjoying the argument of his daughters too much to care to cut it short by helping them but laura was excited well they can't she said sharply, ignoring her father's remark. Look at the condition of the temperance hotels. First class, indeed. I wish you could have been with us last night. Even the soaps were third class, and the thin coating of silver all worn from the spoons. And, Papa, you couldn't cut the steak with a sharp knife even. But what does that prove? persisted Mary save that it is a humiliating truth that we are allowing the poor fellows who drink liquor to pay part of our bills. I should think that that was helping along the liquor traffic with a vengeance. And I should think that if it was really so, we could better get along with third-class soaps, or take our own, and even eat tough steak once in a while, or else patronize temperance houses so exclusively, and at such good prices, 
that they can soon afford another state of things. Does Malcolm stop at temperance houses whenever he goes? was Laura's apparently irrelevant reply, and Mary, with a slightly heightened color, answered, laughing, that she presumed not. She imagined that he had never given the matter any thought, but she would write to him about it immediately, and give him Auntie Smith's views, and she believed in his temperance principles so thoroughly that she thought him willing to give up toilet soap and tender steak altogether, if necessary." and that was one of the advantages in having Auntie Smith's conscience in the world. It roused other people's. But Laura persisted that she thought Auntie Smith's conscience altogether too tender in some directions, and that she had shown herself to be obstinate and selfish. "'Well, I think so, Mamma," she said, with a defiant little flash in her bright eyes as she caught my reproving look. She doesn't care for little daintinesses herself, isn't, in fact, accustomed to them as we are, and as her brother-in-law is, and so, of course, there was nothing special for her to give up. She cares for just one person in this world, and that is her Solomon, and so long as her conscience doesn't touch him in any way, nor waste his money, she is willing to ride into all sorts of discomforts, and take other people with her, without caring how hard it presses them. I should like to see a question of conscience come up that would affect Solomon's welfare in any way. I think she would discover that she is selfish in her crosses, and that, in reality, she doesn't know much about them. I couldn't understand Laura. Her eyes were bright, her cheeks burning, and her lips were quivering. She was evidently strongly wrought upon, and had apparently gone over entirely to the enemy's side. Mary looked at her wonderingly. "'One would think you were an anti-temperance partisan,' she said, instead of being your grandfather's pet scholar in no-license arguments. "'Laura, I believe you have caught the fever from Lita and are out of your head.' This last with a half-laugh but Laura did not smile. "'I am just as strong a temperance woman as ever I was,' she said firmly, "'and I'm as strong as anybody ought to be. I simply try to keep common sense on my side. And I say it is the man who sells the liquor and the man who drinks it who are to blame, and no others. All these side issues, wandering around to see if our consciences are mixed up with it, because we eat steak and sleep on beds in hotels, is all nonsense. It is just being fanatical. I believe that the people who trouble themselves about other people's consciences in this way are just the ones who will strain at a gnat and swallow a camel if the camel takes the shape that they would like to swallow, and Mrs. Smith will do it just as quickly as any of them. Whereupon she abruptly left the breakfast table. All day, pressed upon by many cares and responsibilities growing out of my long absence from home, there came this undertone of anxiety. What can have so disturbed and altered Laura? That evening, when we were alone together, my husband answered the question with a single sentence. Has Laura told you how Norman has at last invested his surplus funds? No, we have been so excited with weddings and sickness and traveling that we have had no opportunity to speak of business together. 
how has he my tone was somewhat indifferent what did i care really how norman eastlake had invested his surplus funds he had money enough too much indeed i had often believed that he would be more of a man if he had less in hotel stock said my husband significantly and then i understood laura End of chapter 21